0: Good evening. Thank you so much for joining with us in this Good, evening, good Friday service. Uh, it's a special time for us to celebrate in a particular way the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And we're glad that you can join with us today. We have a special service planned tonight. Uh, myself and Pastor Bobby Hayward will be speaking tonight on a special aspect of the cross of Christ. And then Pastor Scott will come up and then pull it all together for us. And as we begin this evening, I want to read from 1 Peter chapter 2. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed and you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. What an amazing passage of the cross of Christ. And as I begin to pray, why don't you open up your Bibles and join with us this evening. Father, thank you so much for the cross of Christ. It's like I prayed earlier today. We say good so quickly, but it is bittersweet because the Lord of glory was killed. But because of his death, Lord, we have life. And we're so grateful to you for that. We pray for your blessing this evening and that Christ would be glorified in everything. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: my regrets and the devil roars his empty threats I will preach the gospel to myself that I am not a man condemned for Jesus Christ is my defense my sin is nailed to the cross my soul is healed. By the scar The weight of guilt I'd bear no more Yeah.
2: I am so glad to be with you this evening, you and your families, and we are here tonight for a specific reason, and that is to focus on the cross of Jesus Christ, and its sufficiency. sufficiency. And I want to speak for just a few moments tonight about how the sufficiency of the cross produces worship. The meaning of this weekend has become very saturated with bunnies and Easter baskets and Easter egg hunts, which are fun and, and, and enjoyable, and there's nothing wrong with that, but Let us not miss the true meaning of this weekend. You see, over 2,000 years ago, the greatest sacrifice that we will ever know took place. There was one who had come, the one who was promised to free and redeem a sinful people like you and I, and his name is Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect, sinless life And he spent his time here on this earth teaching and and praying and discipling and demonstrating just a touch of his power to those that were around him in that time. There were great crowds that, that followed him and marveled at his works and his miracles. He was hailed in the book of Matthew chapter 21 by the crowds who shouted, and you may have heard this many times, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna In the highest. And then a few days later, the same crowd that cheered him called out, Let him be crucified. He gave his life on the cross, and no man took it because no man has the authority to do so. Only God the Father does. And yet, God the Son went willingly to the cross. And that leads us to the book of Hebrews that I want to read for you, chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and it says this in God's word. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus and Jesus alone is the author and the perfecter of our faith. It's not a priest. It's not a pastor. It's not a bishop. It's not your mom or dad. It's not your teachers, but it is Jesus Christ alone. We are to look to him alone for salvation. And as a Christian, we know that the story of the death of Jesus didn't end on Friday because we know that Sunday is coming, but Jesus did die on the cross, and he died a brutal death. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was spit on. He was pierced in his side, and he did those things so that we could come to him and him alone in repentance and faith to those that he alone calls his friends. You see, the death of Christ on the cross brought about redemption to a broken and a fallen people just like you and me. And that redemption, the freedom from sin, we can only attain and it is only possible because of the finished work of that Savior, Jesus Christ, on the cross. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, as we've just read, the joy that was set before Jesus Christ is because he knew what was coming. He knew what was coming by defeating death by defeating sin and becoming the only means of salvation for you and me. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. When you have true peace in God through his son Jesus Christ, you too look forward with joy and anticipation, not for what's happening on this earth right now, but what is to come. You see, we do not, we do not long belong on this earth right now. We are just strangers here. We are sojourners, just waiting for the time that he will call us home. The cross brings hope. It brings comfort. It brings peace. And as a believer, that should produce worship in us that this world will never know until they put their trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior. So many today are always trying to find and figure out the meaning of life. Well, there are books written about it. There are songs sung about it. Conferences created for it. Well, friend, let me say this to you wherever you are. No matter what season of life you're in, no matter where your standing is with the Lord, let me tell you what the season of what our meaning of life is. It is to be a vessel of worship and honor to the King of Kings who has triumphed over sin and death. We have all been created to worship, but the question I have for you tonight is what is it that you worship? Romans chapter 12 tells us that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. The more you understand the sacrifice that Christ made by descending to this fallen world to die for sinners, the more your heart is tuned to sing his praise. So I want to close by encouraging us to see the cross more than just jewelry we wear around our necks, but to see the cross as the only means of escape from the clutches of sin and death, it took a perfect, sinless sacrifice to appease the judgment of a holy God, and Christ paid it in full when he went to the cross. The more you know God, the more you stand in awe of him, and the more thankful you become that he sent his son to die on a cross for you and for me. Jesus Christ is the object of of our worship. And and he's worshiped and he is worthy to be praised. And because of that, because of that fact, we can sing in full confidence songs like this. Why don't you join me as we sing this together?
1: Oh, Lord, my God. That God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross my birth Take me home, what joy shall fill my heart, then I shall bow in humble adoration. My soul, my Savior, God, to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. Amen.
3: Why is Good Friday called? Good Friday. I would think I think we all would agree that what happened to Jesus 2000 years ago was not good. It was brutal. Jesus was beaten, mocked, humiliated, tortured and killed by Jesus by Jewish and Roman authorities. So, how could something so brutal be considered good? to those listening at home, to those who do not know Jesus, to those who need to be encouraged. One of the reasons that Good Friday is called Good Friday, it's because of the divine results of the cross. The results of the cross is what makes Good Friday good. Well, extremely good. One of the great results of the cross can clearly be seen in First Peter Chapter 3, verse 18. And this is what the Word of God says. It says this For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. One of the amazing results of the cross is this Jesus, the righteous Son of God, died for the unrighteous, for you and for me, to bring us to God. As many of you know, it is impossible for an unrighteous person to come and dwell in the presence of a holy God. Our sin, our rebellion, our lack of faith needs to be atoned for if we are going to dwell with God forever. Well, that's what Jesus did. He dealt with our sin. He dealt with the sins of believers. So if you are listening at home, and you have not placed your faith in Christ, your sin has not been dealt with, I urge you today, place your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Another amazing result of the cross can clearly be seen in 1 Peter 1, verse 18. And this is what the Bible says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Another amazing result of the cross is this, is through the precious blood of Christ we have been redeemed. But what does it mean to be redeemed? It means through the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago, we are no longer in bondage. We are no longer in bondage to the guilt of sin. We are no longer in bondage to the ruling power of sin. We are no longer in bondage to Satan because of the blood of Christ. So if you are someone at home who feels like you cannot escape sin, you are wrong. The blood of Christ breaks the bondage of sin over our lives. Another amazing result of the cross can clearly be seen in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19, and this is what the Bible says. It says we, meaning Christians, have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. An amazing result of the cross is this: is through the blood of Christ, we can now enter into the presence of God. In the Old Testament, God's presence was separated from the people by the veil in the temple. But through Jesus' death on the cross, God tore that veil from top to bottom so that we can enter into the presence of God through a new and living way, through the blood of Christ. Can you imagine with me people at home what it will be like one day to enter into God's presence, the holy, sovereign, and righteous one? Well, that is possible. Why? Because of the results of the cross. Amen. Another amazing result of the cross can clearly be seen in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. And this is what the Bible tells us. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. An amazing result of the cross is this, that God has given us a clear illustration, a clear demonstration that he loves us. So Christian, teenager, overwhelmed parent, single adult, if you are feeling alone, if today you are feeling isolated, not important, do not feel that way. Why? Because the cross fully demonstrates to you and to me that God loves you and through the blood of Christ that is so clearly illustrated to all of us. There are many great things that come, many great results that come from the cross of Christ and we mentioned four of them today. Number one, that our sin has been dealt with, that we have been freed from the guilt of sin and its ruling power Number two, number three, we can now all enter into the presence of God through the blood of Christ. Number four, we can have full confidence that God loves us. So in light of this pandemic, what shall you and I do knowing the good news of the cross? This is what we should do, brothers and sisters. We should share it. Tell others about the amazing, accomplished work of Christ on the cross. The amazing results of Christ should not be kept to ourselves, but shared with the lost world around us. How could we possibly keep such amazing news to ourselves? Besides, isn't that one of the many things that Jesus did on the cross? If we study our Bible, we see while Jesus was on the cross, one of the many things that he was doing was evangelizing. Jesus Christ, in the midst of his suffering and pain, evangelized to the criminal that was hanging next to him. How did Jesus evangelize to this man? Through his actions and through his words. This criminal saw the love of Christ and heard his words leading to salvation. So brothers and sisters, as we contemplate these amazing spiritual truths, I encourage you to consider the following questions. Am I willing to evangelize? Am I willing to share the good news of Jesus Christ in difficult times like Jesus did? Am I willing to share the good news of Christ in difficult times like the apostles did? Are we willing, friends? Number two, does the good news of Christ compel us to share? This is amazing news, and I know I'm getting fired up, and I hope you're getting fired up to a degree where we would leave our house and from a distance share the good news of Christ with others. It is not to be kept to ourselves, but to be shared. Number three, and this is a great question that we all should ask ourselves Are my actions and words serving as a good witness to the glories of Christ? Friends, God has chosen us and equipped us to participate in sharing the good news of Christ with others. This glorifies God. And this is very important. The cross of Christ should lead us to evangelize.
0: Again, it's a pleasure to be able to come and speak with you from God's word today. And my goal tonight is to talk about the connection between suffering and the cross of Christ. Do you feel like God is calling you to suffer tonight? Well, this is a good passage of scripture for you. So to do that, I would ask you and invite you to turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to begin with verse 7 and following. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Well, as a financial guy, I really love the language that Paul is using in this passage. I hope you can see that he's using accounting terms. In this passage, Paul is opening up the books of his life, and he has two columns. In the one column, he has his gains, or his profits. and the next column, he has his losses. And Paul is thinking about his life before he got saved, before Christ came to him. And all of the things, we didn't really read it yet, but it's in verses 5 and 6, that he considered were gains. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was zealous for his faith. He was a persecutor of the church. He was at the highest hierarchy of the pharisaical uh, line. All the things that people would want in status of society, that was Paul. And they were on his gains column. But then Christ came and met him. And at that point, he realized all of those things that were in his gains column were actually should be in the loss column. And when suffering came for Paul, And it came. And we don't have time to talk about all the ways the Apostle Paul suffered. But when suffering came, it did not shake him to his core. Why? Because more than anything, he learned that the only thing, the only person that should be in the gains column of his life was Jesus Christ. In verse 8, he says that I may gain Christ. Verse 9, that I may be found in Christ. Verse 10, that I would know Christ. These were Paul's goals while he suffered. And nothing else mattered to Paul. They were all rubbish. They were losses. But then he says something very interesting in verse 10. He says that he would have fellowship with Christ in his sufferings. Now that phrase, fellowship with his sufferings, helps us to understand that Paul knew the purpose for suffering. So that's a good question. Why is the world in the state that it's in? Why do we have natural disasters and viruses and calamities and family problems and financial issues? Why? It's because of sin. Ever since Adam and Eve first sinned and then every single human being born on planet Earth up to about now is born in sin, and what comes along with sin is suffering and death. But the good news is that God wasn't finished. He wanted to display his glorious grace in the face of Jesus Christ. But in order to do that, he would need to send his son in the flesh to suffer on the cross and save those who had faith in him. Now we don't have time to look at all these verses, But it's amazing what Christ did in Galatians 3. By suffering on the cross, Christ absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf. 1 Peter 2, by suffering on the cross, Jesus bore our sins and purchased our forgiveness. By suffering on the cross, Christ secured our right standing before God. That's in Philippians 2 and Romans chapter 5. By suffering on the cross, Jesus defeated death. Hebrews chapter 2. By suffering on the cross, Jesus now can bring us to himself when he comes in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. Paul understood that. And he understood that when he suffered, he was in fellowship with the suffering Savior, Jesus Christ. So I urge you, do an accounting of your life. Open up the books of your life. Look at your ledgers What's in your gains column? What's in your losses column? All that should be in the gains column should be Christ. Not that other things are bad, but if they block our view of Jesus Christ, that's a loss. And we need to move it to the loss category. And when God brings suffering to our lives, and he will, calls us to suffer, our faith won't be shaken. Our lives won't be shaken to the core. We have to remember that when God starts removing things out of our lives, it's those very things that were blocking our view of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Consider them rubbish. Consider them losses. Know Christ. Gain Christ. Be found in Christ. And then when you suffer, press into Christ knowing you have fellowship with him who suffered for you. So that we would have life, that we would have victory, and that we would have joy. That's what the cross did for you.
4: be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tonight and as we think about the cross uh, as you're turning there I want to take your mind back to last night 2000 years ago they would have been in the upper room celebrating the Passover meal there they would have remembered that God had brought them rescued them delivered them from slavery from captivity and then from there Jesus identified the son of perdition and Judas left off and, and it was just Jesus and the eleven. After that they made their way across the Kendron Valley and up to the Mount of Olives and, and there the Lord Jesus began to pray. The disciples fell asleep. He would awaken them and encourage them to pray again and he would pray. And then that The final moment came when the Lord Jesus Christ was delivered over. The scene is very vivid in the scriptures, as you most likely read through this week. Here comes Judas with the temple police. There's a kiss on the cheek, and in that moment, the Lord is delivered over. All the disciples fled, the Bible says. Even John Mark, probably the writer of the book of Mark, was somewhere in that garden and he fled. John made his way into the courtyard of the Pharisees and Caiaphas, the high priest at the time. John let Peter in and he made his way around the fire and there he denied the Lord three times. All of these men, probably from a distance, watched the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. They would have seen him drag his cross through the streets of Jerusalem. They would have seen Simon of Cyrene pulled out of the crowd. And they would have seen the nails driven in, in his hands and then him lifted up and dropped into that hole. They would have saw the conversation with John and him giving his mother to him to care for him. He would have seen the testimony and the evangelism, as Bobby noted, of, of him leading this young man next to him on the cross they would have saw all the darkness and the earth shake and from a distance they watched the Lord Jesus give up his spirit, full control but what's interesting is the one who writes the most books who is inspired to write the most books of the New Testament is the Apostle Paul and he's not there and I find great comfort in that Apostle Paul is later seen as a young lad holding the coats of those who are stoning Stephen in Acts chapter 7. But God had a, a great designed plan. He draws people to himself. He knows the hour of all men's salvation. And he met Paul on the Damascus road. There he knocked him off his steed and showed him his glory for a brief moment. And there Paul was rescued from his sins. And he was forever changed. He saw the crucified, resurrected Lord. And he could never go back. He put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he followed him through the most difficult circumstances. When you get to this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 2, you see the heart of the Apostle Paul. This is a verse that's stenciled in my office. If you've been in there, you've seen this. This is a verse that has great meaning to the Paul, this is really the mark of his ministry. I think if you could find a tombstone where Paul was buried, this verse probably would be on it. It says this, for I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The word determined is a legal term. It's, it's I have made this judgment. There's nothing, nothing except the cross and Jesus crucified. And what he's saying is, is that is the gospel. That's what all I hold to. Think about Apostle Paul. He was, as Brian mentioned, he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was, he was a Pharisee of, of, of great repute. He was zealous for the law. He was a poster boy of the religion of Judaism. None of that worked. It all failed. And he knew it. And so he put his faith in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus crucified on a cross that he did not see. Don't you appreciate that? He's like us. We weren't there 2,000 years ago to see our Lord hang on the cross. But we see it vividly in the scriptures. And Paul saw it vividly in the scriptures. He saw it in the Old Testament. And he knew the testimonies of the apostles. And he believed the word of God. And so he put all of his weight into the cross. See, this determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified is a term that it flows into every aspect of his ministry. It flows into his worship, as Hayward spoke about. It flowed into his evangelism. It was the centerpiece of all that he spoke of. It it certainly flowed into his suffering. Paul, who suffered so many different ways, found that God's grace, Christ's grace was sufficient. He learned that from the cross of Christ. But it went beyond that. It went into everything he dealt with, all of his relationships, all of his theology. He knew that the Old Testament was pointing towards the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw the promises of Genesis 3.15. He saw the seed in the Old Testament. And that washed forward. He himself said that God preached the gospel to Abraham. He knew that the Old Testament, that he at one time only saw its laws and its uh, in all its regulations, and, and then the traditions added to it as a way to get to the kingdom. He now rejects all that. He now puts his faith in this seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the scriptures, hung on that cross and died for him. For us, the cross is an amazing thing, isn't it? It, it affects everything we do. It affects us as we live our lives. It, it flows into our marriage. In fact, the the cross is, is pictured for us as husbands. We are to love Christ, love our wives as Christ loved the church. That means we are to die to self. No greater example than the Lord Jesus Christ. As wives, we, they submit themselves. They line their affairs up under the Lord Jesus Christ because he laid down his life for them. We see it in our parenting. We know that moral training alone will not bring our children in, into heaven. We point our children towards the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that we as moms and dads cannot save our children or our grandchildren. But we have the message. We point them towards it. And so this cross, which is so all-consuming to the Apostle Paul, is all-consuming to us. We're consumed with it because it's sufficient. There's nothing greater. There's no greater message. To us, it's a beautiful thing. If you look at chapter 1, verse 18, it says, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. I want to stop there for a moment. How many people will hear the message of the cross this weekend? How many people have been witnessed to? How many church services have people gone to? Maybe just Christmas and and Easter, but they've heard the message. To them, it's a nice story. It's a good example of a good man. But it's foolish to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who died 2,000 years ago. It doesn't make sense. But the verse doesn't end there. Verse 18 of chapter 1 says that, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's our power. We, We hold on to this authority that Christ died for sinners. And such am I. Oh, my faith is in that by the grace of God. It's powerful to us. Gives us strength, not only at the time of death, but when we go through trials, as as Brian showed, the suffering that we go through, whether it's a virus or, or some other illness or financial struggles or whatever it is, we cling to the power of the cross. It has the ability to change people from dead men to alive. It takes blind people and causes them to see. It makes those who are lost be found. There's nothing more powerful in it. So Paul said, I'm determined to know nothing among you as I speak with you, live among you, talk with you, walk with you, spend my time with you. I don't know anything that would exceed that of Christ crucified. You say, oh, Scott, he was was such a prolific man. He was given such a monstrous ministry. How, How would I match up to that? Well, verse one says that he didn't come with persuasive speech superior of speech he, he he wasn't like the men of that age the great oratorical uh, perfective speakers of the day the, the great men of wisdom in the greek culture he says ah, i didn't have that in fact verse 3 says that he came in weakness and even fear but he wasn't afraid in a sense in a sinful way he, he just did not believe in his own strength and that's what he goes on to tell us in verse 4. He says, My message and my preaching were not per- uh, pervasive words, persuasive words of wisdom. But then he goes, This, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. See, friends, we preach the cross and the Spirit takes it from there. It's not our job to save people. Oh, we'll plead with them, we'll even beg with them, we will pray for them, we'll, we'll long for them to know Christ. But it is the Spirit of God that takes the message of the cross and pierces the heart. He's so good at that. And we leave that to him. We allow him to do that because he is phenomenally good. He knows all that the Father has called. He, he knows who the Father's drawing. And there he pierces the heart. But we, we, all of us, we preach the cross unashamed, unashamed. And then verse 5 says this, "...so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men." but on God. Oh, friend, if your faith is resting on men, preachers, or parents, or anyone else, you will suffer eternal loss. But the goal of the cross is to put your faith in God, that he sent his son, that he had a plan, that he chose from the foundations of the world to have his son be a propitiation, be a satisfactory payment that he would glory in his death on our account. What an amazing statement that is. So we too are determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ in him crucified. Now you worship at those thoughts tonight.
1: in this the power is the power of the cross Son of God
4: Father, what a fitting song to sing at the end of this instruction on the cross. The power of the cross, our Savior slain for us. We receive all the benefits, the freedom never to be judged, never to be condemned for our sins. Now, never to be separated from the love of God. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you went to the cross. Thank you that you fulfilled the promises of the Father. You were that perfect seed, impeccable in character and practice. And there hung on the cross for us. Lord, we will not forget this night. In fact, we remember it every night. Every day we think as Christians about the cross. And it strengthens us. It empowers us. It helps us understand the rest of the Bible. So we thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins. Lord, we can't wait for Sunday morning. Because we will speak of your resurrection. We will realize the great stamp of approval the Father set on your perfect death. By giving you perfect life. So Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for our stance that you put into our heart. To preach the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Preach the sufficiency of Jesus. We thank you for that. In your son's name, our savior, amen. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. We're so glad that you tuned in. The next time we'll see you is at 10.30 on Easter uh, Sunday. Uh, this is going to be our drive-in service. We're ready for you. We'll have flaggers when you come in. They will be directing you to places to park. Just follow them as you come in. We'll have a bulletin that will be bringing around to the cars. You're welcome to take that. If not, you don't have to. But it'll be there to help you sing along with us. The words will be in the bulletin of the songs. The service order will be in there. And we will have a great time celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and preaching God's word. So don't miss it. Come early. Uh, you members, those who, who belong here at this church, you're part of that. Show up early. Get parking spots because we want to get everybody in and get the service started at 1030. It'll be Simacast with the radio of Cornerstone, and you can tune in there. It'll be also live streamed as well for those who can't make it. You'll also be able to watch it at home, or you can even watch it in your car. But we invite you to come. Tell a friend. Tell a neighbor. Bring somebody to this. We'd love to have you here. Good night.